listening to the St. Mark's Podcast for October 4th, 2020, the 18th Sunday after Pentecost. Today's sermon was given by Father Peter Walsh. It's based on the Feast of St. Francis. Good morning. Again, I'm so pleased you're with us here this morning. So when I was uh, about 40, I started to have headaches, and I called my doctor, and he said, go get some glasses, and I put on a pair of glasses, and I simply couldn't believe how clear and clean and crisp the world was. We moved to Phoenix, and the sun was overwhelming, and so I put on a lot of pairs of sunglasses, and they all had some screen that darkened the sun, except for this one that made everything seem more yellow and kind of like high def. Never forget it. Loved it. If you take a picture with your iPhone, of course, you know that you have a lot of choices. You can have original, or you can have vivid, or vivid warm, or vivid cool, or you can have dramatic, and dramatic warm, or dramatic cool, or you can have mono, or silver tone, or my favorite, noir. Have you ever had any virtual reality glasses on? So they take a two-dimensional picture and they make it a three-dimensional picture by adding in depth perception. Now just imagine for a moment, and tell me this wouldn't be the coolest, if you could have God goggles, right, and you would put on the God goggles and you would have a Francis filter that would go over your God goggles. Now, if you had the the Francis filter, what you would see is what we always see, the physical world, but you would have layered on that additional perceptions. You would have the mystical, spiritual perception layered on. You know, uh, just think for a second. How cool would it be if we could see as Francis saw, if we could feel as Francis felt, if we could think as Francis thought, if we could know as Francis knew, right? And I just have to say, if all that were to come to pass, it would blow our minds if we could take the inner St. Francis into us. What we would find is that, <laughs> that we have little worlds, right? We have narrow perceptions that we, that we titrate love, we would discover that there is just a lot more out there than we have opened ourselves up to. So Francis was a mystical genius, that rare human being in whom the gifts of God explode uh, into uh, their lives, right? He was a spiritual innovator of the likes of which perhaps the world has not seen since. So uh, Francis was not always this way, but in a series of, of mystical experiences, he had a mystical awakening, right? And the doors of his perception were cleansed, right? His own filter, his spiritual senses were opened up, and in that came an experience in which he was called by name, he was claimed, he was called, he was lit on fire, and he was sent out with an enormous burst of energy. His soul had been transformed and had been transfigured, and he became a passionate, passionate lover of God, right? He became a mirror of Christ. He became a manifestation of what everybody had been praying for and saying, this is what we would like, and there it was in St. Francis, right? He was flooded with divine love, and through him, it flooded into the world around him. 
His way of seeing and being and doing changed not only Francis, but it changed the world, right? He, he was affective and effective, perhaps uh, one of the most influential people in Western civilization. 800 years after his death, we are still talking about him. He lived a mystical life. But he was not a world-denying hermit. He was just the opposite. He embraced the world completely, and he kept moving through the world throughout his life. So, Francis is a hard guy to understand, right? He was a man of incredible paradox. He gave up everything. I mean, he took his clothes off, handed them to his father, and said, uh, I give it all back to you. Right? From now on, my Father in heaven shall be my Father. And so he gave up everything, but he seemed to gain everything. He gave up his family, but seemed to gain a larger family. He gave up you know, this community at, at home, and he seemed to gain the world. He had no home, but he seemed to be at home everywhere. He was a troubadour of joy and yet he lived an arduous life. He was an utter failed knight, but he became a spiritual warrior that changed his time. To put on the Francis filter would be to put on an illuminated consciousness, right? It would be to put on a filter in which we could see divine light and light and love, divine life, that we could see God and we could see grace, we could see radiance and beauty in all things. To put on that, those God goggles with that Francis filter would be to sense God's transcendent life in the highest heavens in such a way that there is nothing to do but to explode in praise of God. And it would also to see God imminently and intimately in the smallest things like a worm. So Francis not only saw things, but he saw the essence of things. He had a very sacramental view of the world, right? He, he saw everything as an outward and visible manifestation, an outward visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. So in the church, we may talk about the seven sacraments, and each of those sacraments conveys a particular grace, right? So uh, the, the grace of communion, the grace of baptism, the grace of unction. But for Francis, it wasn't just the seven sacraments. It was everything that had its own particular grace to give us. So for Francis, living in the world was a single harmonious theophany of God, right? A theophany is a manifestation of God. And the Bible is full of these, of course, right? Just think of Moses. But for Francis, everything manifested the Creator, right? He saw all things as vessels of the divine. So all creatures in God, in God in all creatures. To put on the Francis filter would be for all of us to live in a unified universe in which we are united to everything and everyone in the universe. Not broken apart by tribe or by this or by that, but united all together. Let's think theologically for a moment about this. So, we all know the creation stories. On the sixth day, God makes man and woman in God's image, right? Imago Dei. 
And it says also in the book of Genesis that we are to have dominion over the creation. But we all know that this biblical understanding can also lead to maybe some distortions. I want you to think about the Elizabethan uh, chain of being uh, in which at the time they became preoccupied with writing out the hierarchy of being from the lowest low to the highest human being. And also, biblical dominion, which involves in it a kind of beneficence, a loving care, can so easily turn into domination, which of course has no loving regard for the other. Dominion and domination, though the same root, are very, very different. And we all know that the earth can become objectified and we can see all of the earth, all of the cosmos, all of the fruits of it as simply in service to us, the Imago Dei. Francis saw it completely differently. Very, very different. So for Francis, all created things, and I mean rocks and minerals and people and planets and, and worms and things and places, all of this was part of the family of God's creation. Instead of a hierarchy, he understood it more as a circle, and he resisted all domination and objectification. In fact, <laughs> I mean, perhaps one of Francis's greatest gifts to us was his infraternized universe, right? The whole universe became like siblings, brothers and sisters. And we see that in his most famous prayer and poem and hymn, four verses of which we sung here at the start and three verses which we're going to sing at the end, uh, the canticle of brother son or sometimes known as the canticle of the creatures. And this was part of Francis's shocking creativity. It was an innovator beyond innovation, right? Brother sun, sister moon and stars, brothers wind and air, brother fire, sister water, sister earth, our mother who then feeds us from her sovereignty and produces various fruits and colored flowers and herbs. In other words, we were all put together, right? That barrier between human and non-human that makes us a stranger to earth sometimes, right? This is a gift given to us by Evelyn Underhill. She says that Francis simply takes that away. And not only that, but, but life, which is God, whispers in our ears about life and the intimacies of it and we, the fellowship that we enjoy. And it transforms everything when we have that Franciscan lens and that Franciscan spirit upon things. Now, we see this in the way Francis lived his life, right? So you're going to know so many of these stories because they live on 800 years after Francis died. I mean, Francis famously preaching to the birds. Go almost to any museum in Europe and you'll see a painting of Francis preaching to the birds. He called rabbits brothers. A sister raven he called upon to wake him up early for prayer. Uh, he soothed turtle doves, right? He had friendship with a pheasant. He praised pigs for how they gave of themselves so that we can eat. And of course, also very famously, uh, the wolf at Gubbio, 
brother wolf, as Francis called him, was calmed and brought to a most harmonious life. You may remember the story where the wolf at Gubbio is terrorizing this small village of Gubbio, and they don't know what to do. They can't find the wolf. They can't kill the wolf. They call upon Francis, who heads out with two of his brothers, who don't think this is the greatest idea of all time. And Francis says, Brother Wolf, calm down. You know, you're wreaking havoc. And he creates a deal where together the community and the wolf can live together. And one of his earliest, his earliest biographer, Thomas, who was one of his great growing up mates, writes about how Francis toward little worms glowed with great love in the stories of as Francis moved about the roads of Italy, that he would pick up the worms and put them off on the side because he didn't want them to be crushed by people's feet or wagon wheels. And Francis loved flowers. He preached to the flowers, and the flowers on the altar today are in part given to his glory. And when his communities began to build hermitages, and uh, Sister St. Claire began to build a place for her, uh, her sisters, he demanded that there be a garden so that they could see the flowers, and in seeing the flowers, be reminded of eternal sweetness. This is the view that Francis had. And for us to put on that filter would be for have us to live in tremendous solidarity. Think about that in the world we live in where we are so broken. For Francis, there was tremendous solidarity with all people and with all things, right? To put on the God goggles with the Francis lens would be to be lost in love. It would be to be lost in wonder. And it would be lost in praise, right? So, so that song that we are singing this morning, right, in that canticle of brother, son, and sister moon, look at what the verses say. Praise, praise, praise. And so as you go about your life, and if you're in New England and you see the trees begin to turn into a box of 64 Crayola crayons, or if you're out in a garden snipping away at your flowers, or perhaps you're hearing dogs bark, or your neighbor's dog bark, or your, or your cat meow, all of this, the bird chirping in the morning, put on the Francis lens, and here's what you hear, and here's what you see. What you hear and see are God's creations being their selves. The grace that each of them is to God by being themselves. So those, those annoying barks are praise of God. Those meows are praise of God, right? Those birds chirping early in the morning, it's all praise of God. So perhaps we would all do well in this broken world to put on our God goggles and our Francis lens and to begin to see that it's all good, it's all God, and it's all beautiful. And now, let us sing praise to God. Peace be with you. You can find more sermons on our website at www.stmarksnewcanon.org.